0: You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. Let's do it. Me first? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's the 31st of January 2019. I'm Benjamin Riley. And I'm Simon Copland welcome to queers each episode we talk our way through questions on a theme and this week we're talking about individuals
1: Uh, but before we start that just another shout out about our patreon Uh, thank you everyone who has signed up to the patreon we're gonna have a be recording a new bonus episode after we record this episode so we've got a new bonus episode coming out soon so if you're keen to get some bonus content maybe sign up to our patreon we really appreciate the support
0: This bonus episode's about Bohemian Rhapsody, the film about Freddie Mercury and Queen, which I went to the cinema to see last night. Both of us have got, I'm sure, uh, opinions of some kind about it, which is why we're recording this bonus episode. And given um, the amount of uh, strong feelings that people have on the internet about the film and its uh, gayness or lack thereof... Um, hopefully you would like to hear us have a, have a chat about it, which we will be doing. In this podcast, we often talk about structures
1: of homophobia and other forms of social justice. We are in fact slightly obsessed with
0: structures. However, quite frequently there is a tension between acknowledging structural problems and considering what individuals can do to fight against these structures. For example, how does individual action play into fighting against homophobia? Do we all need to take responsibility to call it out when we see it? Is it only through individual change that we can create cultural change?
1: On the other side of the spectrum, individual approaches can end up placing culpability solely upon individual actions, ignoring the broader structures that can lead to homophobia, violence and oppression.
0: So today we want to ask the question directly, what can individuals do to fight against the oppression of queers? Simon... Before we started recording today, you mentioned that you've been thinking about this issue in relation to violence against women lately. Do you want to maybe tell us uh, what, you, what you've what you been thinking?
1: Yeah, so this uh, has followed uh, the really awful murder of the Palestinian woman, Aya Masawe, and I'm sorry if I've pronounce that incorrectly for anyone, uh, if if that's the case. But uh, she was murdered in Melbourne um, in January, and uh, I think it got a lot of a lot of press coverage. Most people would probably know about it. Uh, and following following her murder, there was an article written by Clementine Ford, the feminist Clementine Ford, uh, that was uh, titled "Men of Australia: It's Time to Pick Your Side." And in the article, Clementine makes a very clear argument that all men are implicated in, were implicated in the murder uh, through uh, through existing as a class of people who maintain their rights and privileges over others. Uh, and what what she argues uh, is that the that sexism in particular is it can be linked to. Uh, murders of, of such as that that of Aaya. Uh and in particular that men have a have a really clear ro- uh, clear role that they should not be standing standing to the sidelines when they when they notice sexism happening in our society, and that 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 men are implicated through not. Uh, step, you know, stepping in when sexist jokes are made or sexist comments are made, or uh, all those sorts of things happen. And so I've been thinking about this a lot because I think it's a really interesting discourse that's happening, and it's one that's sort of related to homophobia and related to homophobic violence as well. Um, around what role do individuals have in in this case in, in in the really complex issue of sexual violence or violence against women? Uh, what role do individual men have both? as being responsible, being a, a cause of that violence, and and what role do men have in sort of stepping in to stop that violence from occurring. And for me, I found, and, and I find this quite commonly, I find uh, that arguments such as those made by Clementine Ford are too simplistic, uh, and sort of narrow down a lot of the evidence base around what happens, about why violence occurs, uh, or and why sexism occurs, why misogyny occurs, uh, and narrows it down to, to to this sort of idea of uh, there just being sexism, there being jokes out there that just somehow then lead to violence, uh, which I think is too narrow of a cause. But I also think that the the, the argument that everyone is implicated uh, has the potential. What it, what what it really does for me is uh, create this sort of. Battle of sides, and you're either on one side or you're on the other. In fact, she she makes the argument that you are, you know, you know the the head the the headline of the argument is, is men of Australia pick your side. Um, but if you sort of sort of want to, if there's anything you ever question, you're no longer on the side of the good people or the people who want to stop violence, and in turn that ends up becoming it sort of politicizes the issue. And there's you know obviously these issues are political, political, but politicizes them in a way. That means that it actually becomes difficult to deal with the nuance of it. You either you're on you're in one tribe or you're in the other. You're you're pro violence, you're against violence, to the point where you can't actually we can't engage in complex discussions about these sorts of issues. And and I think that that happens a lot. When it comes to homophobia as well, you sort of, you know, and we've talked about this in the past. If someone says or uh, makes a homophobic comment, then you know you've got to you've got to condemn it. Otherwise, you're on the side of the person who is homophobic. And actually, things are sometimes a lot more complex than that. And I think that that is the case when it comes to violence against women as well. That it's often much more complex than what an article like this makes out. And so I thought it was an interesting example of what we wanted to talk about today and one that we can maybe use to sort of jump in to talk about homophobia as well, in which a complex issue a very complex issue of violence against women a very serious issue that we must be dealing with when we when we when we reduce it down to individuals just need to step in to stop stop it I actually think ignores a bunch of the structures that can lead to that violence, ignores some of the reasons why people might not be stepping in to stop it at t- particular points of time, ignores the ro- the different roles that we can all play in building social movements that aren't related to just individual actions. And I think that uh, that was an interesting example for me. Sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think so too. And this is uh, gender-based violence is something that I think about in relation to these sorts of questions quite a lot as well i just before because i i i do disagree with you on a few points and but before i jump into that i, w- I wanted to go back to your question your sorry your comment about uh ignoring the evidence base could you just say something more about about that
1: well i I'm, i think that uh, at one point of time uh in the article clementine sorry i'm just finding it um, Clementine says that, you know, she's, yeah. you want to know the common thread linking every man who decides to rape and murder a woman just making her way home at night. They've laughed at sexist jokes, they've agreed that women ain't shit, they've liked an, a comment online that says feminism is cancer, or, or that bitch needs a dick in her mouth to shut her up. And I think that, to me... I have have been searching for this uh, so far uh, since since I've been reading this, and I I don't find an evidence base for that sort of argument. That there is clearly links between um, between misogyny or uh, or or having negative views of women and violence against women. I think that that there is those links, but I think that it is more complex than that. And I think that to make that argument that is solely related to those sorts of in you know those sorts of Forms of everyday sexism is is too simplistic and doesn't actually engage with the complexity of why violence occurs, uh, and it doesn't engage with the reality that sometimes there are, there are men who uh, who engage in violence against women who 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 haven't done those things, uh, and sure. that, that can happen. Yeah. So I think that it sort of reduces things to. Too simplistically down to these sorts of issues, and I, and I think we could say the same when it comes to homophobic violence, for example, or, or violence against gay people. That sometimes it's much more complex than than a person who who is grown up being a homophobe or grown up being a misogynist, and then that leads to violence. Actually, sometimes the issues are much more complex and can related to, can be related to previous forms of and to pre- previous experience of abuse, to um, internalized. Um, internalized feelings of you know in terms of homophobic violence in terms of like often internal 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 homophobia uh that can lead to violence Um, a whole range of different things that can lead to violence it's not just about the sort of day-to-day sexist jokes and and the the reason that's important is because she makes the uh, she sort of uses that to make the argument that individual men are implicated because they're not stepping in to stop those sorts of sexist jokes and i think it's more complex than that
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a slightly unfair characterization of the article. I mean, you know, Clementine Ford is a polemicist. She writes these things sort of deliberately to some degree to inflame. Um, But I think, yeah, there's a a bunch of things to tease out there, I think. Like, I don't think it is a bad thing or even an untrue thing to say that all men and really all people to some degree are implicated against ge- implicated in gender based violence um, we are all part of a society that results in that and men in particular benefit from the structures that produce gen- that produce violence against women i think that it's absolutely important to be able to link very small everyday acts of uh, of sexism, of of misogyny, to things like uh, rape and, and murder of women, um, I think to not do so is to uh, uh, I don't know, like di- di- over- distance ourselves too too much to kind of to to create the kinds of camps that you're saying of, like, kind of good men and bad men, you know, bad men kill women, good men don't. Um, I think that, yeah, I don't know. Like, I i, th- I think that her kind of pick-a-side stuff towards the end is is problematic, and I, I don't like that. But i I think that I broadly agree with, yeah, I don't know, the idea that we should... I don't know. Examine the ways in which we are all implicated in structural problems like violence against women. I mean, I feel like that's what she was. That's what she was doing in that article. Yeah,
1: I guess I, I don't feel the same. I, I mean, she, you're right that she's a polemicist, and you know she writes stuff to inflame in many ways, uh, and I think that. My problem with the argument that everyone's implicated, and I think that we can transpose this not just into this issue, but i you know I think that we see this a lot when it comes to homophobic discourse, you and I mean that's sort of what the way we're sort of launched into this into this conversation is you know everybody's a little bit homophobic in some kind of way. and and yes, I think it's true in the sense that, you know, it's it's useful for us to examine our implicit biases, and, and useful for us to think about the role, the way that structures have in in, in influencing how we view the world, and, and influencing how we view other people, and and how it shapes our views. But I think that, and this and this comes back to the initial question we wanted to ask here, is if we are saying, as I think that she is, that the solution in many ways is for us to to do that, the solution to this to this violence is is to, for men in particular to um, to change their behaviours. I think that it dilutes the potential of actually creating change because what it does is it turns everybody into the problem rather than actually figuring out what the sources of, of, of structural violence are and getting people together to to, to to fight against the problem. So I think it has a potential to separate people because it creates those camps and you're either a good guy or a bad guy. And in reality, you know, what most of the people end up being in the bad guy camp in, in this sort of discourse in my in my opinion uh, which which means that you have a whole bunch of enemies and rather not many people who are on your side uh, and and again, this is very similar when it comes to a lot of other discourses around different forms of bigotry um, sure, sure. and 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 I think that that in in practical senses you know if we want to t- we want to talk practicalities about how we create change, I think that that is not a particularly helpful discourse compared to having a discourse that looks at, okay, here are particular structures, you know, structures of education, structures of poverty, um, structures of um, previous, you know, of, 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 stru- of structures of systematic violence that, that run across generations. How can we tackle those and how can we come together to tackle those, which a lot of the evidence base suggests, you know, is the core problem. And it's actually also a structure of misogyny, right? And it's some structures of misogyny that... are are built in in our social structures and how can we get people you know how can we have a discourse that says this is you know structures of misogyny impact everybody and how can we you know talk about how it negatively impacts everybody it obviously impacts women a lot more um, but how can we collectively get together say how it impacts everybody and work to overcome them rather than saying it's an individual responsibility for you to stop that problem you know for you to, to intervene here rather than us coming together collectively and that's I think where I find this argument really difficult is the difference between uh, individuals having to stop the thing or us working together collectively to stop the thing and I think that a lot of this discourse doesn't engage in people coming together collectively to stop this thing mm. Uh, mm. and I have a similar issue when it comes to for example calling out uh, homophobic speech, you know, when it when it when it happens, or the sort of stuff that is about, you know, everybody checking in about, you know, what their homophobic positions are or or their implicit biases around this. I think we're actually better examining the structures of homophobia, figuring out how they impact us all, and and coming together as a collective at, through social movements primarily to to deal with that issue.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's there's just a bunch of things that are all kind of mushed up in what you're saying like i and and i i feel like this also points to a real difference between you and i like our politics in some sense you know which might Probably, which, may, yeah. which may shock people uh g- given how often i receive the feedback that we uh have very similar politics but i see a lot of value in uh destabilization i guess and what can, can you, encouraging, what, do you mean, what do you mean by destabilization well encouraging people to examine and confront the ways in which there is not really anything separating them from the kinds of bad people that we often put in a camp of like to to kind of distance them distance them from ourselves like when it comes to and you know I know we kind of want to talk about homophobia here but I feel like misogyny is again Uh, the easier example to draw on when it comes to uh, confronting misogyny. I I mean, I feel like the only... I, I don't think that there is a kind of positive politics that is going to be able to deal with something as pervasive and structural as misogyny. I think that all that we can do at this point is to create discourses of destabilization, so discourses that, like, force us to question everything that we think we understand about uh, our own role in misogyny and our whether or not we are implicated. And I think kind of leaving us in a place of confusion and and uncertainty is actually... A politics is actually a positive thing, and is kind of, in some ways, the only way to deal with structures that we are so that are so pervasive and so uh, directly involve kind of everyone. I feel the same way about uh, about capitalism, for example. I think that, like the, uh, yeah, I guess I'm I'm just deeply cynical about. And again, this is literally a conversation we've had before. Although I don't know if we've had it on the podcast, I'm deeply cynical about the idea of replacing ideologies we don't like with ideologies that we do. I think that we should instead seek to deconstruct ideology itself. And, yeah. So I think yeah. that's
1: probably where our politics diverge uh, yes, in many ways. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that I mean I think that I see what you're saying in terms of being a value in destabilization in terms of um you know and and you know I uh, one of the things that I, I, I you know that I res that resonated with me is the, the destabilizing the idea of the good guy versus the bad guy in hmm. this context I think that that dichotomy is particularly unhelpful uh in that it uh yeah you're right it, it both, it ignores the potential for us all to be bad guys. And actually, we should, you know, non-gender that bad people in many ways because I there sure, is that I'm potential sure. for that to be the case. But it also ignores the realities of what leads people to become that person, you know, to become a person who commits violence, to become a person in mm, any mm. any form of violence, whether it's gendered violence, whether it's homophobic violence, whether it's racial violence, any, any sort of violence um, that exists, or, you know... It ignores the potential of what what it means for someone to become a boss who treats their workers terribly uh you know that there are social structures that result in that situation right that we're not all born necessarily as evil bosses uh totally, and I think totally. that, you know and i think that that's particularly useful but i think that for me we don't we there's a capacity to deal with those with that destabilization you know i i think that the problem that I have is that and and this again runs across a whole range of areas um, that the the solution is focused on us. There is a whole bunch of stuff about destabilisation and, and destabilising and thinking about what our role is in these in these structures and you know challenging that role and saying that we all have to step up and and step in and do that kind of stuff. But it's not being met with any sort of collective response. You know, it's not being met. I don't think. And, and there are small collective responses, but there is not. Sort of um, the the focus is on individual change increasingly, rather than on how can we build social movements that can challenge the structures that are behind this. And and there have been positive examples of structural change that have occurred. You know, we we sort of trash it now but second wave feminism did an incredible job in many ways of challenging things like you know compulsory heterosexuality challenging the notions of the patriarchy um the gay liberation movement did an incredible job of challenging the same things in many ways and it did so in a positive way it did so in a collective way it had it they had their issues clearly and there's things that we can learn from that but I, i i don't see similar challenges you know when we have social movements now they're often related to uh, tinkering with the with, with the structures or gaining access to the structures, as we see with something like same sex marriage, um, or appealing to those structures to to provide a solution. You know, which is often the case when it comes to violence of all forms. You know, it's about the state intervening on, in violence rather than challenging the structures of the state that often create violence. Um, and I think that that's a major issue and so, so because of that social movements end up focusing on individual change that sort of blames everybody rather than looking at the at the key points and yeah we we all probably do have a role mm. in in these things but there are key points there are key places there are key key structures that have more of a role and i think it's more valuable to be targeting those than the than the individuals out there who well, could
0: who- I, I think i'm get, getting a bit stuck on some of the language that you use could could sure. you just tease out a little bit what you mean by social movements and what you mean by uh like when you talk about kind of key points like i cuz i i feel like i can't think of a good example of like other than i mean second wave feminism is probably a good one but even that is hard to kind of tease out as a social as a like kind of discrete social movement like I, like i guess i can't think of a good example of a a like an anti-homophobia quote unquote social movement that would be a nice point of contrast to the sort of more individualistic approaches that you're that you're saying are bad. Like, because I don't like I don't think gay lib is that. Like, I I think gay lib was very niche, didn't probably have much mainstream cut through. And that, like, most of what led to... Like, you know, I'm a big kind of gay lib fan and 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 uh, have total kind of fantasies about that movement, but... um have total... That's a weird sentence. Uh, but the... I can understand why you'd have fantasies about that movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, about living in disgusting queer communes in the <laughs> 60s and 70s. But I think that the reality is that a lot of what led to more mainstream acceptance of uh homosexuality for example were the more kind of conservative law reform movements of the late 70s and early 80s and that in in some ways Gay lib was a bit of a uh was a became a bit of a dead end i mean not not i think deservedly but but it was sort of re- replaced by those those other movements oh, yeah, it that were happening was. at the same time.
1: yeah. Yeah no no, it certainly was. I don't know. I think social movement is something that I, is a term that I use I use, but I sort of um, struggle with myself um, because it is like difficult. I guess. I, to... Yeah. I feel
0: like you're 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 sort of talking about this thing that is a good alternative, but I I don't quite understand yeah, what yeah. that thing is. I yeah. don't.
1: I don't. And, I, and maybe I should be clear in that I don't understand the hundred percent what that alternative is either. Like it's very difficult to figure out, particularly in a, in the current era of you uh, know the current neoliberal era, the current very individualized era, uh, the, an era based in social media. You know, talking about our last episode, it's really hard to figure out what those things are, uh, and it's often. Um, and so I don't, I don't, I don't have a hundred percent answer for you. Um, I, I guess it's one of those things where I have a critique, but I haven't necessarily got the full answer. But I feel like that there are steps sure, that we can take. Sure, which is fine, you know. You know, steps that we could take to do things better. And you know, and and, and I, I find gay lib. You know, and I and I agree there were problems with gay lib. There were problems with secondary second wave feminism. There are some interesting you know movements that occurred. You know, the this, the the 1968 protests in Paris, for example, or more recently like the uh what was called the Indi- 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 indignados movement in spain which was like a huge mass movement of people um uh, fighting against a whole range of economic structures but you know it's not this let's not go into those today um also I, but because I think- you
0: know you're literally doing your phd on these things and i know <laughs> nothing about them <laughs>
1: um but i think that what's um i mean i think that for me what i would what i think you know can we, where we can start to, to to change things in some of these areas is to start talking more actively about what are the structures of capital normally, you know, what are the structures of both capital and the state that create these sorts of um, this sort of violence and 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 how we build a social movement out of that is a really difficult question and often social movements end up being more spontaneous than they do planned. It's really hard to plan a social movement because sometimes you know, if you look at the history of things, you know, Gay Lib wasn't planned. It was it sort of sparked out of out of Stonewall which was you know, sparked out of out of violence from the police, for example. You know, it sort of there were there were the the base structures there, but you know, it, it sort of wasn't like a one day where they just launched gay liberation. Um, and so that's you know, it's really hard to plan a social movement, but you can be thinking about what it means to be talking about these issues um, in different kinds of ways, because I find that the ways we talk about them are too individualistic and and aren't creating any sorts of solutions. And so, like, when it comes to violence against women, for example, you know, I think it's important to be talking about structures of poverty rather than to be talking about, well, sorry, not rather, but to be also talking really clearly about structures of poverty, which I think are probably more important than... Uh, than everyday sexism, you know, than that sort of everyday mm. sexism. You know, I think it's important to be talking about histories of, of of systematic violence and what that looks like and how we can get kids in particular who are facing violent home life situations out of those structures um, and what that looks like um, because I think that that has a major influence on on future potential to be violent, yeah, for example. Yeah, totally, you know, totally. And, th- and I, those, yeah. those sorts of discourses, I think, are completely lacking from this because it's instead focused on individual people are the problem and it's it's the same with you know with homophobia it's the same with race r- racism i think it it runs across the gamut of this of these sorts of issues um where we're sort of focused on you know it's the the sort of everyday outrage cycle you know at the moment we've got an outrage yeah. cycle over Carrie ann Kennelly, uh and you know the awful things that she said on today oh my god but, i don't want to talk know, about kerry <laughs> you yeah, know but like but the, the, the reason i bring it up but is yes, yeah. focused on the indivi- individual who caused the problem but what are we actually solving by doing yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. rather than talking Talking about why is it that you know why is it that there is still a whole range of issues that Indigenous people for sure, face in and Australia. I'm certainly
0: and I'm certainly not kind of advocating for the sort of call out culture around you know so and so person is shit and you need to look at why you're shit and that's how we solve these things. I think where I get a bit stuck as well is that cause, because I'm 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 much more on board I think when it comes to quest to to talking about. Uh, dismantling capitalism but i think for me one of the big differences between thinking about structures of capital and and how we kind of engage with that on a structural level and something like homophobia or misogyny is that the, it it's much easier to identify interpersonal dimensions to those to 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 those other things to yep. to yep. misogyny and homophobia and and I guess to link those things to... Like, to me, there's a much clearer relationship between... No, I uh, I don't want to say clear... L- let's say a much more visible relationship between uh, high-level structures of homophobia and misogyny and everyday lived experience of homophobia and misogyny than is the case with capitalism. And and I don't yeah,
1: know... See, I see what you're saying, but I, sorry, you can finish.
0: Yeah, but but I don't think uh, – but I think that there's an argument to be made. Like, I'm not saying that that relationship is not there for capitalism, but it's, it's much more obfuscated. It's much harder to see. And so I wonder – like, I think about this a lot around – to try to, like, draw a more explicit link between the two things and maybe try to tease out what some of my concerns are, because I'm not sure I'm articulating them well, is, like, property ownership in Australia. Like, if you're someone who has investment properties, I feel like it's – one of the things that an individual can do that's not really that necessary, that really directly fucks other people in the context of capitalism in this country, right? Like, like you're pretty directly screwing people over in a way that's, like, hard to really justify if you have a lot of investment properties. Yep. Um, and I... I'm interested in how we how do we talk about an issue like that and how do we talk to people who do that sort of thing and relate it to higher level structures of of uh you know things like negative gearing in this country and things like a culture that makes people want to buy a bunch of properties like I I don't for me, it's important to be able to draw lines between those things and, and to be able to engage with it on an individual level because that's our lived experience and link it to structures rather than just kind of go, capitalism, you know, no one really has any agency. Uh, we're all just kind of pawns in this system. And like I have a lot of sympathy for that position. And I, I kind of get that position, but I, I, I'm a, I find it. Like I, I think it's a little uh I don't know, almost like nihilistic or something to to go completely in that direction.
1: Yeah, and I don't go completely in that direction, I don't think. Um because I do I do think there is agency there, uh there's agency of, of the, the the powerful and the rich and the people who own capital. And the people you're talking about who have investment properties and probably most likely you know at least to have people who have multiple investment properties are most likely the ones that also own capital um because they have the means to do that uh and they are the ones that have agency in the system um and and so i think that when it comes to what i was you know you asked you know about the what who are the pointy ends of the of the areas what are the pointy ends of the areas where of people you know what we should be targeting to deal with these institutions you know that's an example of that of of a pointy end of an area of people we you know of people or, or structures that we should be targeting you know we should be either you know structuring stru- targeting um people who um who build you know who 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 are influential in the housing market to the point where they you know, manage to fuck over a whole bunch of other people, or or and we should be targeting structures like negative gearing, for example, that can that also fuck over other people. And but these
0: are like, but these are like, but I'm not talking about like. I feel like if you're someone who's like, you know, tearing down kind of uh, like uh, single houses to build massive kind of apartment mm-hmm. blocks or whatever. Like, if you're doing that on a mass scale, like like clearly you're you're a bit of an asshole, right? I mean, God, that's such a horrible blanket statement to me, <laughs> but like, it's that it's not great, you know? Like, yeah, you're yeah. not contributing to something great. But, like, I'm talking about people, I'm like, I know these people, you know, like, people who just have, like, a couple of investment properties or whatever, you know, like, like I'm talking about the kind of mid where things get yeah, murky, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah,
1: no, and, that's, and I guess that's where, uh, you know, going back to what I was saying before, it's where I don't know so much the answer. I mean, I think that, but I guess maybe w- what I'm saying, and maybe this links back to the original article from Clementine Ford, is that... There's That's where there is an acknowledgement of the role that we all play, but the question is when we're trying to create the social change we want to change create, you have to have priorities about who you're targeting, and so we can't f- fix everything, and sometimes having those priorities has triple-down effects. Um, to an extent, so in that instance, for example, mm. I think it's more useful to be talking about negative gearing as a policy, as an example, uh, than it is to be saying to running to be running campaigns that say all oh, people who buy inv- you know, no, nobody should buy investment properties because you're all shit. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, and I think I think that's the difference because it's it's about okay, well, yeah, those people definitely are implicated in the system, but what is the strategy about how we're creating the change? We create the change through yeah, change um, through changing the mm. for me through changing the policy mechanisms, which end up having the influence that you want to have. Um, you know, that's, sure, that's, you know sure. that's one specific example. Mm. I think that you could transpose that onto other issues.
0: But I feel like the... Like, you know, I'd, I'd like to briefly draw attention to the fact that you advocated for a trickle-down effect, which is... <laughs> Sorry. That's, 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 you know... <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I, I'm, but, I, you know, I'm secretly a big fan of trickle-down e- economics. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 I can tell. Uh, no, but I, but I almost kind of would go the opposite direction and say... Like, like I agree in terms of priorities, and I think I think that uh, t- targeting effective change is important. But, but I suppose I see the kind of destabilization that I was talking about. L- like, I feel like sort of "quote everyone's shit" is actually a, a, a not a bad place to start from to kind of be able to build those priorities to kind of go. So, to talk about the, I feel like we we've barely even talked about homophobia, and in some ways, it's like that. I, I really. A a tricky one, I I don't find it as easy to put in these frames as I do the other ones. And I'm, I'm, you know, maybe a conversation as to why that is, is for another time. But given how long uh, we've been talking already, but like, I almost think that- You and I have been
1: talking for too long? Really?
0: I know. (laughs) I know. Oh my God. But I almost think that like, like being able to kind of look at like people who buy investment properties, for example, like looking at the ways in which we are all implicated in uh, a system that- Really, kind of screws people over, is a a an interesting and useful starting point for building movements to 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 engage with the kinds of with negative gearing, for example, to kind of go. We we need to be able to kind of look at the ways in which we all have a stake in this, and we all, and not just a stake in terms of something to benefit from, but like the ways in which we are all culpable in this, in order to kind of go from there, okay, so we all have the power then to advocate for uh for example, getting rid of negative gearing, yeah. and I, f- I feel like that that's something that can apply to other so it's so, so it's almost like we're we're both looking at the same outcome, but we want to come at it from different directions, yeah or something. I think so yeah because I,
1: because I think I, I it's that's probably where we disagree because I don't sure think, sure you know I don't think that I think that talking about how we all have a stake in an issue is important, but I think that talking about how we're all uh, implicated or all culpable is yeah, it has the potential, and I think it does create defensiveness and can back people into a corner because they... Because yeah, I mean, of that. I think, I think has, that that's, that's that, that is where it becomes an issue, but I also think that...
0: I think it has the potential for that, but I, I think that there is a way to talk about this stuff that's not... But I think that that comes out of people kind of doing the good... Person, bad person, thing of kind of going, like rather than we're all culpable, like you're the problem. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah.
1: No, I get that, but I, uh, so, I th- and I think that that's 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 a fair that's a fair point. But I think the other issue I have is that it has the potential. Like, I I think that. You know, I, I do just draw a distinction between, and this is where I came back to the, you know, the, to, talking about people who own capital and people who have power versus the people who are trying to deal and live within the system and trying to, to survive in it. And often surviving in it means doing shitty things or ending up having shitty positions or getting stuck yeah. in shitty circumstances. And I think that I prefer to blame the people who have the power than the people who are trying to deal no, with sure. situations I guess, the No, sure. I guess
0: what I'm arguing is that I don't think it's easy necessarily to draw a distinction between those two groups of people yeah no i know
1: i I see where you're coming from there thank you all for listening uh and as always or not as always it's only been been going for a couple of months but um if you'd like to get some more content please consider subscribing to our patreon uh that's patreon.com forward slash queers podcast there's gonna be there's heaps of new content on there um, and also it just helps support the podcast so that we can make this you know keep, we can keep this going and make it bigger and better um otherwise if you'd like to get in touch or make a comment there are multiple
0: ways you can do so uh, send us an email we always like your emails you can contact us at queerspodcast at gmail.com We are on Facebook and Twitter at Queers Podcast. I am also on Twitter if you want to, as discussed last time, talk to me about why I hate Twitter. uh, You can get in touch with me at Ben C. Riley or complain to Simon about me. He's on Twitter at Simon Copland and he's also on Facebook where you can like his personal page at Simon Copland Writer.
1: You can also find the podcast on our website QueersPodcast.com Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts And as always, please leave a review And rating, it helps other people find
0: us Sometimes people have Given little reviews for us on the thing that are just Like so nice, so nice And I'm just like We're not that good Why are you being so nice to us? Um, You're so negative about yourself sometimes I know, I'm so negative I think we're amazing Yeah, no, you're right, we're pretty great (laughs) Uh, if you agree with us and think that we're great, uh, tell a friend about the podcast uh, and tell them that you think we're great, uh, and then they'll think we're great, and more people listen to the show, and blah 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 blah. Thanks as always, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.